0: I'm Kim Grinolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, and it's Monday. What practice number is 12. this? It's 12, 12 of 15, so we have practice on Wednesday, which we just found out will be open in the media, so we'll have full practice reports on Wednesday. Friday sounds like pretty much just a walkthrough, and then the spring event um, on on uh, Saturday. What time does that start, by
1: the way? Do you know? I think it's 1 day o'clock, day. I okay. think. Okay.
0: I think it's 1
1: We'll have to look it up. Yeah, I'm pretty sure
0: it's one. Yeah, so, um, you know, just keep it tuned in here. And just before we get going, just a reminder, we're running a promo right now, um, half off of your yearly subscription. And then if you sign up for a monthly subscription, you'll have access to Paramount Plus once that trial period expires. So lots of good stuff on Paramount Plus right now. So keep that in mind. But uh, practice today was outside. It was in Husky Stadium. It's probably the nicest day we've had uh, for uh, since spring ball, Chris. Well, it's the
1: first practice I can remember that we actually got a chance to see in Husky Stadium since week one so that was fun and it was really really nice out uh, only only drawback is that it wasn't full pads if it would have been full pads that would have been awesome but they did still did a lot of scrimmaging a lot of individual periods uh, in our in our uh, practice thread I put a lot of stuff out uh, the individual stuff with all the practice groups and Um, So hopefully you got a chance to see those as well. But guys, I don't know about you, but it sure feels to me like much like we get into the dog days of fall in practice. And you you, you hit like practice 10, 11, 12, where it feels like they're done hitting each other and they want to go hit someone else. It feels like these practices are getting close to where they're like, yeah, we still have to hit each other. But we're kind of we're kind of over it now. And
0: we're we kind of
1: we can see the maybe the light at the end
0: of the tunnel a little bit. Yeah, to me it doesn't seem like as much of the dog days. Maybe that's because we haven't been out here as much, but I just seem it just seems like they tend to build on each practice. They're still building. So, you know, a lot of spring balls that we've been to where it just seems like they're just doing the same thing over and over and over again, but I see them adding new things every day. Well, there no doubt there's adding new things.
1: They're certainly installing stuff all the time. Um, I'm just getting the sense that I just see some things that are a little sloppier, not quite as efficient, not quite as on point as maybe they were earlier when they were really honed in on the details. And now, I think the the, the cumulative effect they might be getting smarter in the head in terms of what they want to do, in terms of techniques and stuff like that. But I'm, you know, this is where the body is it's probably trying, it's tough to catch up sometimes.
0: Yeah, and I I might disagree with you a little bit because what I'm seeing is maybe you were focused on the offense, you know, just, you know, torching the defense regularly. And defense obviously won the day today. So where, I, you know, the offense may not have been as sharp, and you see that, defense really stepped up today, Chris. Yeah,
1: but I would also say, too, that usually in the days where the defense has really good periods, the offense also comes back, and there's usually more give and take. To me, this felt like it was a little bit more one-sided towards the defense. There were a few big plays on the offensive side
2: of the ball. Yes. Sam Adams had a long touchdown run. Polk had that one short pass that was a blown coverage. And he scampered for about 40 yards, something like that. But. Um, you know other than that, I mean there were, there were open plays for the offense but the quarterbacks were unable to connect on, on long touchdown. What would have been like likely long touchdown passes?
0: Yeah and like I said there, there was a lot going on there where, where you would see the quarterbacks just looking and looking and looking and nobody was over and the, the, the coverage from the DBs today was tight and uh, I thought they covered really well today.
1: Well again like Scott said in the beginning, Thaddeus sticks in a couple picks he, he had a pick to end the practice. Um, the first one was tipped. I think you said Mikel Esteen yep. tipped it. He came underneath, um, and then it went over the receiver because of the tip. And
2: Thaddeus Dixon was right. Yeah,
1: and I think I want to think. I want to say Milton Hopkins might have been involved in t- maybe diverting the throw or getting it Today? off his point. Like no, on the first pick on for first Dixon. Point, yeah. um, I don't know if he necessarily got a hand on it, but I think he was involved yeah. uh, in that play. And the uh,
2: second one was just an overthrow. It was Camden Sermon down the middle of the field, and uh, Morris just over overshot him, and Dixon was right there.
1: Yeah, and so the news of Camden Sermon being in the portal, I mean... He I guess. Might be, but yeah, he might be in the portal, practicing. but he's still practicing. So that that's something to pay attention to.
0: Yeah. Uh, again, we mentioned you know Thaddeus Dixon having two tr- uh, two picks today. Uh, he's a JC guy, and when I talked to him last week, he just kind of had a different type of hunger about him. He kind of slid through the cracks with COVID year and went to a JC. Didn't get his grades done. It's part of that was having to go through the COVID stuff uh, and not going to class. And uh, he went to the JC route, but. You know, in a normal year, I think he would have been a pretty highly touted guy. And talking to Chuck Morrell at the end of practice, he's pretty impressed with Thaddeus Dixon.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people in the recruiting uh, period when they were looking at J.C. guys, you know, there was also people remember Channing Canada, who was a guy that for a long time it felt like maybe that was the first guy on their list in terms of JC Corners that they wanted to get, and he ended up signing with TCU. And so I think some people thought Thaddeus Dixon might have been like a con- quote-unquote consolation prize or, uh, uh, or a guy that they were going to go after if they couldn't get Canada. But I'll tell you what, he's shown up, and he's done some amazing things. So um, even though he's not in the ones right now that I would say, I would say the ones right now are Jabbar Muhammad and Elijah Jackson, who's really stepped up too. But Thaddeus Dixon's done some nice things.
0: Yeah, it was interesting talking to him because, you know, he came from a program, you know, when you have a JC program and then you come here, um, the equipment availability is different. The shoe availability is different. The quality of competition is different. And one thing he brought up too is, Training tables a lot different here you know? than it is at the JC level.
2: Yeah. Well, there you're at the JC level. You're paying for all your stuff yourself, and you're doing everything yourself, especially in California where kids are not allowed to be on scholarship or anything like that. So, um, yeah, he. he there's a hunger that comes from that you know there's something to be said for treating athletes really really well but there's also something to be said for making them hungry to, to get to that next level
0: it's almost like you know when I was down at the Seahawk facility that place is so amazing um, and you know, I talked to one of the players. It's just you know, when you're at the bottom of the roster with the Seahawks, you're afraid all that's going to get taken away from you. You are treated like gold there. Um, you know, with the massage therapist, the training table. It's a five-star restaurant with chefs that'll make you anything you want. Everything is top of the line. And if you lose that, um, that's a big loss. And you almost have that feeling. You know, with a guy like Thaddeus Dixon, he's got this, and he's been to the other extreme, and he's not going to let this go. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, and, and there's no doubt. And even if he. He's not necessarily in, in, in the starting spot right now. He's absolutely in the two deeps. Yeah. And with guys like Devon Banks not really doing much at all this spring because he's he's rehabbing, and um, guys like Caleb Presley just getting started, they're going to have to rely on a guy like Daddy Stixson to come in and make an impact.
0: I talked to Chuck Morrell at the end of practice, and um, I asked him, I said, you know, I know you get asked this all the time, um, but you talk a little bit about that competition at corner and he flat out said i didn't ask him about the guy he flat out said let me just say up front the most impressive guy all um all spring has been Elijah jackson he just said last year um he was hurt a lot um but he said that he's more proud and more um enthusiastic about Elijah jackson than anybody on the defense and he's really made a move scott
2: he has uh he also uh put up Uh, Didn't he have like the best, um, I thought it was vertical? Was that what it was, or 40 time? I can't remember what it was, but he he had the best on the team. It was like 42 inches maybe or something like that on the vertical, whatever it was. He's an explosive player. He just hasn't gotten his chance to get on the field. And, and last year, he was dinged up. And this year, he's fully healthy. And, and I remember talking to him at Pro days; is all off the record. But he, he basically said, you know, I'm, I'm fully healthy for the first time since I've been here. He's got some size, too. He does. He has some size, long arms, all that stuff.
1: So. And, and to be fair, I mean, even though Chuck Morrell talked about him unsolicited, Kim, he's a guy that Kalen DeBoer has also singled out not just, like more than once. So clearly, it's not. Elijah Jackson just showing up here and there he it sounds like he's made a consistent move to the point now where if he's not with the ones he's right there so he he has got to be because like I said, when you looked at the team periods and you saw those DBs line up, it usually was Jabar Muhammad on the field side, and it was usually uh, Elijah Jackson on the boundary.
0: And another thing that comes when you you know with you when you start playing better is that leadership ability. And uh, Coach Morel um, also noted that he's really stepping up in that end of his game.
1: Yeah, no, I mean he's doing a lot of good things. There's no doubt about it. I, and again, you got guys that uh, with with Devon Banks not being available. With obviously uh, Julius Irvin out and 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 retiring, you know they, their numbers are starting to thin. Now we know that Leroy Bryant's coming in, we know Curly Reed's coming in, so they've got freshmen Kayla coming Presley in. Caleb Presley just got there as well. So there's there's bodies that are coming in, but you can't rely on those guys right away. So a guy like Elijah Jackson, who's had some experience in this program, and that's why not having Devon Banks really hurts for spring because he could he he'd get plenty of reps right now.
0: Jabbar Muhammad seems to have had the has the one side locked down, and you know he's just so small, but he's obviously the stickiest corner that they have out there.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I I really like watching him. I asked him about uh, we talked to him a little bit today, and I asked him about. Uh, going up against Washington's offense as opposed to maybe some of the Big 12 offenses that he faced obviously he faced a very explosive one at Oklahoma State every, you know every day in practice so and he said he goes it's it's different you know he goes they're more balanced here and he goes I have to worry about my run responsibilities much more than I had to worry about them in the Big 12 and so it, he said it makes it harder uh, going up against and he goes and they're throwing NFL receivers at me left and right um, in every rep that I'm getting, whereas down there you might have one one or two guys that are NFL future NFL guys, but there were guys that were never going to play in the NFL that he had to face so uh, interesting to hear his thoughts on that also asked him about how long it took him to get uh, just feel kind of ensconced in the program here because he's so new um, and everything and he said he said it took me two weeks he said everybody down in the down in the south he said a lot of people keep to themselves. They're a little bit more competitive from the standpoint of I don't want you coming in and taking my spot. So he you know, they might not be as friendly. But up here, they're just all about competition and and they're all brothers, is what he said. He said we're all brothers on this team. And and that is has been really a welcome thing for him.
0: The way I'm seeing things right now, if the season were to start next week, I'm seeing Jabbar Muhammad on one side and then boy, it looks like a coin flip between Elijah Jackson and Thaddeus yeah. Dixon with Elijah Jackson maybe having a little bit of a upper hand, but they're both gonna play. I think Jabbar Muhammad's going to play the most.
2: Oh, absolutely. I, I think Jabbar Muhammad, you're kind of a locked in there. Um, I think it's really it's Thaddeus uh, Thaddeus Dixon and uh, and Elijah Jackson. I agree with you, Kim, on the other side, kind of rotating between those guys. And then Javion Green's right there, too. Um, the thing about Javion Green is – He's, he played more of a zone corner in high school, maybe even a little bit of safety, and Washington recruited him as a corner safety, maybe a Husky guy uh, eventually, and um, he's had to play out at corner, and I, and I talked to him, I actually talked to him uh, today too, and he basically said, I'm a young guy, and I'm still kind of learning all the techniques and everything like that. So he said it's it's one thing that I really wanted to work on was getting my hands on more passes, which I didn't do last year because I was, so, I was just kind of thrown into the fire. Yeah. And he said that's one thing I wanted to work on was, obviously, my technique is going to help me be closer to passes. But he goes, when I have a chance to make a play on the ball, whether it's just getting my – hand on it to knock it away or pick it off. He says, I want to be able to do that more. And that's something that he that the coaches wanted him to do. And it's something he focused on this offseason. And also,
1: let's be, let's be real clear, because we haven't really talked. We talked a lot about this in the very beginning of spring and the idea of cross training, especially for the defensive backs. Let's try to remember, if push comes to shove in an emergency, they've got a really experienced guy out there in Mish Powell. Mm-hmm. And if Mish Powell needs to be put out at a corner, that's not going to face him at all, even though right now he's taking all his reps at Husky. And I think he's doing a good job there too. I think that's a really great fit. Oh yeah, they they don't want to take him away from Husky right now. They want to in, they want to yeah. immerse him in that in that slot corner. But if he needs to go out and play on an edge, he can do that. That's a square peg in a square
2: square uh, place for him to go. Yeah. So it's he it's a perfect fit for him. He's I, just not a
0: small guy. No,
2: he is not. And and he likes to tackle. He likes to play physical. So.
0: Yeah. Just staying on the defensive side of the ball, Scott, you mentioned, you know, just early on in practice when MJ Alley walked by just how much he has transformed his body because he was just a massive human being. He is. He's he's not a massive human being anymore. Well,
2: he's still a massive human being, but it's completely redistributed. He's got, um, you know, he has no gut whatsoever. I mean, he's almost got, I would dare to say that he's at least got a two pack. That you can see not maybe not a six-pack there's very few defensive linemen gonna, that, have, ask you. that have that uh six packs but he's he's definitely a guy no who, gut no gut at all and I remember I don't know if you guys remember but remember um Vita Vea when he first got here he had a gut and he didn't have a gut when he left no he gut. was very very uh well shaped and and I think uh MJ
1: Ali is that guy.
0: Chris, anything else jump out to you on the defensive side of the ball today? Like I said, you know, de- defense had a great day today.
1: Well, I think defense had a really strong day. Up front, they were a little thin. Like, obviously, Lenis Davis is still not practicing. Uh, Armand Parker looked like he was struggling a little bit with his with the left leg. I don't know if it was knee or ankle or whatever it was. But it just looked like he was nicked up a little bit to the point where he wasn't really practicing much. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it just uh, – we talked a bunch with the linebackers today, talked to Edifuol and Ulfoshio. talked to Drew Fowler. And um, just kind of what, you know, because it's funny, Fowler is kind of in the position uh, Eddie was when Eddie got a scholarship and he's trying to work hard to get a scholarship. And he talked about the continuity in coaching staff when he first came here with Coach Pete. And that was a huge reason why he stayed home instead of going to places like Utah or UCLA where he had a scholarship. And And then, of course, what happens? He ends up with three coaches, just like he had when he was at Bellevue. People don't necessarily remember that, but he was there right at the end of Gontroff and the whole bit, and, and so he ended up with three coaches at Bellevue. And so he came to Washington thinking with Coach Pete, okay, I'm I'm going to have some stability, I'm going to have all the – nope he's ended up with three coaches in college as well so he we talked a little bit about that talked about just overcoming that kind of adversity and um and the state of the linebacking room right now he had a lot of really really good things to talk about and then eddie too um eddie had some amazing things to talk about with drew fowler he said you know if drew's here before i am he goes i'm kind of i'm kind of pissed at him because he i know that that means i've got to do more to catch up with him so it sounds like drew is really one of those guys that's leading the room even though he's not on scholarship
0: yeah eddie's just seems to jump out on defense and maybe not for the reasons for playing as much as number one, he looks like he spent a lot of time in the weight room. And number two, his fashion statement that he's wearing, he is tucking his short, 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 shorts, shorts out there. Yeah, he's the he only was, one rocking them.
1: He was asked about it too. Cause he, someone asked him if, if, he was doing that so that it, he, he thought he was gonna go faster, <laughs> and he just said it's more of a statement. Like you know, if you if you feel that way, then maybe that's what's gonna happen. You know, so yeah, if
0: I had those legs, I might wear those, but there's no way in hell any of us could ever get away with that. But Eddie looks physically, he's a specimen right yeah, now. Yeah,
2: and wearing number five just make I don't know why it just makes him look faster and tougher. I don't know why. Forty eight. Five, who cares? But it just does.
0: And I'm looking out there as ETF, ZTF, and I'm thinking, we're in number four. And I go, it's Jeremiah Farms.
1: <laughs> Not quite. But uh, the other thing that he said that I thought was really illuminating, because we asked him kind of the status of the true freshman, uh, Jordan Whitney and uh, Devin Bryant. And uh, he said flat out, he goes, Devin Bryant, he goes, that's a future all Pac-12 type guy. He goes, he'll play this year. He goes, he, he he said something to the effect of, I can't remember the exact quote, but something to the effect of he's got like old man moves or old guy moves that <laughs> yeah. he shouldn't have for like a true freshman. He's like doing stuff. I'm like, mm, where'd you get that? You shouldn't be knowing that stuff right now. Yeah. So uh, he had some really good things to say about them.
0: Uh, over on the offensive side of the ball, you know, we've got to focus on the quarterbacks and they... Both, um, you know, Dylan and uh, Michael looked a little bit off today. They had some nice plays, but they didn't look as crisp as they have. And you know, you got to give some credit to the defense for that as well.
1: Well, there's no doubt. I mean, uh, you know, you look at the safeties now. Camp Fab has basically been a safety now this last second I mean, half Stuart second Kennedy, half right. of spring, um, the last ten practices or so. And um, you know, he's been in he's been in position to make plays. Now Jalen McMillan made a great catch. Uh, contested with camp fab and there was a couple of others where he was like right in a position to make a play and couldn't make the play like uh giles jackson caught one contested tosh right on Dav- the goal line
2: tosh davis had one too
1: yeah and so you know they're out there making plays and if and if those and if the receivers are making plays it's because they're just really really good and so that means the defense is stepping up which is great to see obviously
0: this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news what would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. The,
1: the quarterbacks today, I think, were just a little off. And, and with Mike, it was just the deep ball. The deep ball, he was maybe just like a yard off here and there, but you could tell he was getting kind of visibly up frustrated with the fact that he was so close to being right on on some of these long passes, but just didn't necessarily connect with them. And there was another one where Dylan Morris had a bomb to Denzel Boston that would have been an easy touchdown down, but he underthrew it. And so I think Javion Green was able to come back and make a play on it.
0: And Scott, we were talking about when we were watching this is you know Michael's ability to know where to throw the ball and know yeah. where everybody is. And he had the one throw where he kind of did the flick.
2: Yeah, it, and but it was it wasn't a long throw. Because it was just a swing pass out to Cam Davis, but it was because everybody else was covered in the end zone, and he just flicked it out to Cam Davis, who then Scooted in for a touchdown, and and it was. It, I was like, Wow, you don't see that very often.
0: He can look guys off. Yeah. I mean, you see him, and he is looking to the right, and he's throwing the ball to the left because he knows the guys are going to be there. I think that he's probably as impressive as any quarterback I've seen here at looking people off and knowing where to throw the ball. Well, that pass that you mentioned, Scott, early, where it was like that little
1: foot mm-hmm. pass in the middle, that clearly was a bust. Where Jalen Polk looked yeah. like he could have scored, mm-hmm. but but you know Dom Hampton shows his speed once again, just mm-hmm. tracked him down. Um, those are the kind of passes that you just haven't seen other quarterbacks at Washington yeah. make before, because um, he's he is. It's it's either he's looking in another direction or he's physically moving in another direction, and you see him just pull pull the trigger on something real quick, and it just looks like okay, how did you make that body wise? Because you you shouldn't be able to contort your body in that way, but yeah, he does it routinely. And then, like Kim said, there are situations where he's literally right, 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 boom, and he'll almost throw it to the left with where he he hasn't been able to look hardly at all. But He knows the guy's there. Yeah, it's just te- it's like telepathy. You just you just kind of know you have you you know what the routes is that they're supposed to be running. You have implicit trust that the guy's going to be there where he's supposed to be. Make the play.
0: Yeah, where a lot of quarterbacks are looking at the at the field through a um, a paper towel tube. Michael's got the wide angle lens. He knows where everything is. So
1: yeah, and 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 that's what you would expect the quarterback to do. And and to be fair to the other quarterbacks that have come through Washington, like a Jake Browning, things like that. Those guys always knew where those guys were supposed to be. The only difference is. Michael Penix has the physicality and the athleticism and the arm talent to specifically get to get the ball where it needs to go.
0: Yeah, well, Scott, we were talking about the running back competition this year. It sure looks like Cam Davis is entrenched as the number one. Um, Dylan Johnson just hasn't been able mm-hmm. to really get on the field with uh, the injury thing. But uh, it looks like I don't know if it's one and two or one A and one B with those two guys.
2: I say one A, one B. That's my personal opinion, the way it's going to end up obviously right now it's not that way because you know dylan johnson isn't on the field but um t- today uh, will nixon got some carries um saw uh sam adams get that long had that his 67 yard run for a touchdown um he's had a good and, spring yeah we haven't seen very much from aaron dumas every now and then we'll see a carry from him scattered in there but um and richard newton hasn't really played so oh. so um you know Dylan Johnson, I, I just have to believe, you know, that he was a guy who Washington didn't need, but when they were able to get him, they brought him in, and there was a reason why, and it's because he's really, really good.
0: Well, with Wayne talapapa being that short down back last year and being really, really good at it, I think Dylan Johnson's going to be that short yardage back that you're going to see out there. I think, it's Cam mm, yeah, Davis. I don't, yeah, I don't Do see that.
2: Yeah, I don't see that. Kim Davis was the short yardage guy for Washington. Um, Cam Davis, uh, the reason Cam Davis didn't start ahead of Troy, uh, I'm sorry um, Talapapa, Wayne Talapapa was because Wayne Talapapa is probably the best pass protection running back i've ever seen i mean he just the way he cleaned up guys in in pass pro i just got to believe that's the big thing that set him apart from cam davis and we've seen cam davis improve in that area and coming from a passing offense like dylan johnson did i i would hope that he's worked on some pass protection during his time at mississippi state so that's why i just believe it's going to be those guys and then daniel nata is probably going to be your um you know or not nagata is going to be your um Third down guy, or change of pace guy, and then maybe throwing some Will Nixon here. I'm sorry, uh, Will Will Nixon and and uh, Cam Newton uh, here here. Uh, Richard Newton, Newton, Richard Newton, jeez Louise, and then um, you know if Sam Adams, you know. Uh, I I don't know. I just don't know if there's going to be enough balls because Tybo Rogers is going to get carries. He's not going to redshirt or he's not going to burn his redshirt this year. I think he's going to, but he'll still get carries in four games.
0: He's definitely flashed. And um, when I asked Nada about the fastest guy in the running back room, he, he said Tybo is, but you know, I'd sure like to get a better look at uh, Dylan Johnson. You know, there's plenty of film out there, but he, um, not only is he's what twenty pounds heavier than the next biggest back right you know, now. T- no, no, he's no, not twenty no, pounds
2: heavier. No. He's maybe ten pounds. Because you've got Cam Davis is right around two ten. New-
1: Newton's still pretty big too.
2: Newton's about two hundred five, two
1: ten, right in that range. Dylan Johnson's what two twenty, two twenty five, two twenty. Two fifteen. Yeah, I don't know what he's going to play at. Yeah. But bottom line is, it's a. This is going to be one of those works in progress where. If I put out a two-deep today, it's going to look substantially different than what it's probably going to look like the week of the Boise State game, you know, for instance. Because if we were going to do a two-deep at running back right now, my opinion would be it would be Cameron Davis and then Sam Adams because I think Sam Adams is really flashed. I think it could be Sam Adams or Will Nixon because Will Nixon's also gotten a lot of carries. But then I'd almost put Tybo Rogers behind those guys. Mm-hmm. No Richard Newton, very little uh, Daniel Nagata or – uh, um, Aaron Dumas or you no know, Richard Newton, so it's really they've only had like four guys that have really stepped up and done a lot. Like Daniel got it today when he wasn't doing some things, he was on the bike. So there's some guys that again that those nicks and dings are still kind of building up a little bit, and you know, so they're they're rolling through some guys. So at a point where when I was talking to Lee Marks and trying to figure out how are you feeding all these hungry mouths, well through a process of some attrition on the field you're starting to see those carries kind of work themselves out because there's only a certain number of guys that are actually healthy enough and available to do it.
0: Well, you talk about mouths to feed. Then you take a look over at the wide receiver room, and, you know, they had four really good wide receivers, and then they had Jeremy Bernard, and, you know, Denzel Boston's making a move.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's made a move all spring. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I mean, who's going to be the leading receiver this year? It's gonna be Romo Dunsey, yeah, but, but it's not gonna be by a bunch they've just got so many it guys. It wasn't by a bunch last year,
2: yeah. So, I mean, Jalen McMillan was only like two or three receptions behind him. I don't think you're gonna yeah, see. I mean, they both got a thousand I, yards. I honestly don't know if I see the problem with that. I see is if Romo Dunsey wants to win, you know, one of the things that Jamarcus Shepard and Romo Dunsey have said is they want to. He wants to win the Bolitnikoff Award. Well, my question is. How the hell is he going to do that when he's? they're going to spread the ball all over the field? It isn't like he's going to catch 1,400 yards <laughs> worth of passes in this offense. That. That's well, it's the, it's the
1: same reason why none of the Ohio State receivers are going to win the Bulitnikov because there's six of them. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. Marvin Harrison ain't going to win it because he's got a Ubuka. And they've got uh, – they had Jackson Smith and Jigba before mm-hmm. that. They had uh, Julian – what's his face before – I mean, yeah. they just – it's a loaded group. And unfortunately, that's a problem with awards mm-hmm. – But at the same time, awards aren't going to mean anything at the end of the day if you win bowl games and go 11 and 12 wins.
0: Scott loves me to put him on the spot, but give me the pecking order, you know, one through seven on the wide receivers, you know, with Romo Dunzi and Jalen McMillan being one, two. Who's after
2: that? Uh, It's Polk, uh, Jalen Polk. I think Jeremy Bernard's probably your fourth wide receiver. Um, You could throw, I think, right next to him. Is he above Taj Davis? Yes, he is. He's going to be above Taj Davis. I I think Taj Davis is a nice fifth receiver in this system and he can do some things for you but jeremy bernard has elite run after the catch abilities that i think are better than anybody on the teams honestly so um i think they're going to get the ball into his hands a lot i think um i think one of the things they want to do with jeremy bernard is just say hey this year you're learning the offense because next year when at least two of those guys are gone if not all three then you're you're the guy for us right and I think that's what they're and he's gonna play one year and if he has the kind of season he's capable of having he'll end up being a guy who ends up leaving but or not or he stays for his senior year and and enjoys that as well but the thing is um, you know Giles Jackson is right there he's got a very specific role in this offense and he's a guy I mean honestly If you're if you're asking me who the best receiver of the group has been this it's been Giles Jackson. He's the most consistent guy. He's catching passes every day. He's getting open every day. I think he's had probably the best spring of all the receivers and all the receivers I think have had really good moments but he's the one who consistently shows up every day and then you talk about Denzel Boston and I said it in the the write-up pre-spring he is going to have to be patient this year. Because he is good enough to start, if not start, be a regular guy in the rotation at probably 10 of the Pac-12 schools. But he's not going to be that guy here at the University of Washington because of all the guys in front of him. If he waits one more year and is patient, he and Jeremy Bernard are probably
1: your top two receivers next year. That's yeah. some size of wide receiver. Yes, it is. Yeah, and, and, and DeBoer's talked about Giles Jackson more than once. and He, mm-hmm. he, he, he mentioned by specifically in the second scrimmage um, Kim, you talk I mean, and you try to put Scott on the spot in terms of like how crowded it is and pick one through seven. I think it's actually very easy because right now you've got Roma Dunzi, you got Jalen McMillan, and you've got Jalen Polk. Those are your starting three. When they roll out their three, their three wide receiver set first play for Bo- Boise State, those are the three guys that are going to show up.
2: Unless there's an injury, not on
1: Or or they trick it, or they yeah. do something unique. Bottom line is, Scott's right about Giles Jackson. Giles Jackson is going to be a Swiss Army knife guy, but he's clearly, you've got Giles Jackson, Taj Davis, Jeremy Bernard, and Denzel Boston. Those are your next four. And that's it. And that's really the, the group that they're operating with at this point. And now, you know, Jabez Tomei, I mean, he's he's been hurt. Yeah. Um, he's still with the team, so we don't know what his status is going to be at all. Um you know, we'll see what happens. But I think it's actually pretty straightforward
0: the way it's worked out this spring. Yeah, I mean, they're seven deep, and I mean the seventh guy. When you've got a seventh guy who could probably be a regular contributor on most other Pac-12 Well, most students.
2: people, Most people feel, most of the scouts feel that Rashid Williams was one of the best wide receivers in California last year. We're not even talking about, uh, granted he didn't come in early, but we're not even talking about him even having a chance to earn playing time this year. And I don't think, I think if you had thrown him in, even thrown him in when John Ross and, and Dante Pettis were kind of running things, and even with some of the really good receivers they had then, I think Rashid, Wall- or Rashid uh, Williams could have come in and, and possibly played then.
1: I don't think he. There's room for him
2: to play this year. I think he's redshirting.
1: And see the guy that the guy that we're not even talking about. You just mentioned him. What about Tayshawn Lyons? Yeah, Tayshawn Lyons is probably is probably one of their. When he steps on campus, could be one of their best all-around offensive athletes on this team. He showed himself as a as a versatile return mm-hmm. guy. I expect him to be a return guy at Washington, which they desperately need. And he was prolific as all get out in Northern California mm-hmm. as a receiver as a as a versatile guy. Yeah, those guys are just going to have to ride pine for at least a year. And Keith Reynolds as well. Yes.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's three wide receivers that that all could cuz Keith Reynolds is basically Giles Jackson. Yeah. And so, I mean, you're talking about three receivers who could find themselves being major players for Washington in 2024, but this year they might not even see the field for Rex.
1: Yeah.
2: To, even in four games. Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy how deep Washington's receiver room is. Yeah, we
1: talk about the Hungry to defeat with Lee Marks. I mean, Jamarca Shepard's going to have a hard time trying to figure out how to get four games for all those guys because you want to get four games for those guys. Yep. That that kind of experience leading into the next season is invaluable. You really want to have that if you can have
2: it. I still can. remember, I'm sorry, i got to go back to this, but I still remember Denzel Boston talking about when he scored his touchdown against Portland State and yep. then had to, he puked. Like right after it, because everybody pile he had all the adrenaline and everything, and then all of a sudden everybody piles on him. And it's hitting him in the head, and he's like, guys, get away from me. I'm going (laughs) to puke. So I
1: thought that was pretty interesting. There's there's, there's going to be a lot of welcome to college moments here come the fall.
0: Scott, uh, do you want to touch bases on recruiting? Just give us an update. You had a recruiting blog this morning.
2: Yeah, recruiting blog this morning. um, Had some good information on some of Washington's top targets. Um, Elijah Rushing, Demaryon White. Those are two edge guys that Washington's looking at. uh, Actually put down a guy. uh, He's a twenty twenty uh 2024 guy who's a um defensive end edge and possibly a defensive tackle he can play a lot of different positions and he his name's deandre cook i thought he was visiting this week he actually visited last week so that's a guy i need to talk to uh this coming week but um you know washington's done really well on the recruiting trail they're gonna have a lot of guys in this week um uh for the spring game could be somewhere 50 60 70 guys that are in, and I'm talking 2024, 2025, 2026, even some 2027 guys. How scary is it that they're offering eighth graders a 2027 kid? But, you know, I mean, Washington is, is uh, making some inroads into some places and, and they're wanting to get these kids up here for the spring game. Coaches, um, I asked off the record, I asked one of the coaches, you know, if he's looking forward to getting out on the road. He goes, This year we have stuff to sell kids when we're out on the road in May. He goes, Last year we didn't. And so this year it's gonna be a lot better for us um, when we're trying to go out and sell kids for 2025. Hey, you need to come up and visit us. We got some sh- stuff going on here that we didn't have the year before. And you know we're 11 and two, we're gonna have a Heisman Trophy winner, all this different stuff. And so now that they can get out on the road and sell that to kids, that's, that is a huge step in the right direction for them. Also mentioned um, the, uno- or the official visit rule that has been changed. Kids can take unlimited official visits now,
1: but just one. But just
2: one per school, unless there's a coaching change. Then you can then you can uh, go to the same that school that had a coaching change twice. But that being said, um, you know I what I found interesting was they're still leaving the schools at fifty six visits. So and when I went back and looked at Washington over the last decade or so, now granted there's different coaching philosophies and different ways they do things, but um, Washington never came close to the 56 number. The most that I remember seeing was 48 or 49, I think. I don't even think they ever got to 50. And so um, I don't think you're going to see the this staff, even as much as they are aggressive on the recruiting trail, I don't think you're going to see them be super aggressive and get all the way up to 56. But I could see them bringing in some extra guys that maybe in previous years had already taken their five visits, and they had no chance to get them in for official visits. And now they can. Um, and so you're talk, I'm talking some four-star guys, five-star guys that, hey, we've got good relationship with you, you didn't like us as much beforehand, but now that you've seen what we can do on the football field, and, we're, and that there's playing time available for you, we're gonna send guys um, at your position to the NFL. You come in, you can be that next NFL guy for us. Come in and visit, and just see what we're all about, and now you've got a chance to do that. I could see Washington adding 10% more. If they're if they're doing 40, that gives you four more. Some 44, maybe 48 total. But I just don't see them doing that. And the other last thing that I'll mention is it's been estimated by different people that I've talked to, so anywhere from 2500 to $4,000 for every, every official visitor that comes to campus. And you're just not going to see schools throw that kind of money around unless there's Um, Unless they have just a lot of extra money to burn, and very few schools do have that. Or or people
1: are bankrolling it. Or
2: people are bankrolling
1: it, yeah. Um, The only thing I would say is, just to to add on to what you're saying, because it's 100% true and I agree with all of it, the one thing I would say is we've talked about it. You're already seeing evidence where you're talking to players who are now making decisions after taking official visits in June, and some of these guys, really, really good guys, before we're having to decide what their fourth and fifth schools might be to mm-hmm. visit. They don't have to make those decisions yep. anymore. So now if they had limited their – let's say they got down to like a final eight. And, you know, people used to chast- – the fans used to chastise recruits for doing that. It's like wh- talk to us when you get to like two or three and then yeah. we'll, then we'll get excited. Now if you have a top eight – You could legitimately visit all eight of those schools Mm. without a problem, and I think a lot of them will.
0: Yeah, um, as you can tell, we got kind of locked out of the media room, and we're in an area that seems to have a little bit of traffic going through. But, Scott, next week we'll start uh, talking a little bit more about the transfer portal.
2: Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, I could see four or five guys. Um, There's four or five guys that got stories written for already, just in case. We haven't heard that they're definitely leaving, but guys that we think – could be leaving. I know people all want to talk about it right now. We're not going to go there on guys that we've heard about, but um, yeah, that's that's kind of where things are going.
0: That and uh, just saw a stat. What was it about a week ago that twenty uh, percent of the Division One basketball rosters are in the portal? Um, is averaging? I think it was two point seven players per team in D One basketball. Yeah. Um, and staying on the basketball, just an update on what's going on there. Um, Severe Wheeler, uh, the point guard from Kentucky, was in um, this past weekend, and expecting an announcement on that sometime today if he hasn't already done that. So uh, keep it tuned in. Severe Wheeler from Kentucky. Also, um, they're looking really good on a uh, on a big, and uh, I expect them to bring in a wing too. So just stay tuned and hardcore basketball board. We've got we've got some inside stuff on that, and I don't like to talk about it on the podcast, and I don't like to start threads. But when you start, you know, diving into some of the threads on the hardcore basketball uh, board, you'll find out what's really going on, and that's where we'll disseminate that information, um, just to kind of protect some sources and to make sure the information uh, keeps flowing my way. And also,
1: real quick, just just to give some more background on Severe Wheeler, he's a guy that there would be a replacement for like Keon Metafield. He's not. A, he's not a super big kid. He's like five nine, five ten, but he. And before he was in Kentucky, he was at Georgia, so he's from Houston. Five star guy went to Georgia for a couple years, then went to Kentucky, and now he's looking for another home. So he is a pass first point guard. Yeah, he and is a guy that can literally run the offense.
0: Yeah, no, he's he's not he's not tall he's thick Um, he's built like Isaiah Thomas bigger than Isaiah Thomas but that would be a comparable not as good offensively as Isaiah but Isaiah is his favorite player so expect something on him and the way things are lining up if they make the couple of additions that you know I think that they're going to make I think people are going to be really happy and this should be a good roster for basketball next year
1: yeah no no doubt about it
0: and it's still ongoing there's it's still a work in progress and also just Keep an eye on Keon Menefield. He committed to uh, Arkansas, and they've taken in three more top guards <laughs> from the transfer two, portal. Three or two? Is it two, or, two three. or three? I think another one. So, uh, yeah, they've taken in some guys that are probably going to play above him. So we'll see if that commitment um, sticks. Is there a chance he could return? I don't think that door's closed. So keep an eye on uh, Keon Menefield. So. <laughs> You just freaked out a
1: couple of people, <laughs> a couple of Washington fans that are on our boards. Because if they hear oh, that, geez. if they hear that there's a potential that Keon and could return, just the thought that it's possible,
0: yeah, that's gonna that's gonna create some exploding heads. We'll see what happens. But like I said, I don't think he's closed the door, and especially with what um, he's brought in, and then knowing Keon a little bit, uh, like I do. I just wonder how he's going to take to that coaching and muscleman. Well, and also a technical point
1: too, real Kim, that we had to that we had to clarify and make sure that we understood. You know, these guys when they're going to the portal and stuff, they'll sign trans or they'll sign scholarship papers. Remember, scholarship papers do not bind the player; they only bind the school. The only way that the player is fully bound once he's signed that agreement is if he
0: enrolls and is in class. Steps in the classroom. So if, so once th- even enrolling doesn't matter. Yeah, stepping foot in the classroom is is the that's the trigger. Yeah.
1: So so the, again, even though a guy like Camille Menefield has committed to Arkansas, he looks like he's fully in until those steps take place. Some of these guys are still free agents. There's nothing like
0: setting people on edge. Right? No, but, I mean
1: it's, <laughs> but the fact is that it's true, and, and that, will dr- that will drive people nuts. Yeah. Because, you know, it's, again, it's like Jeremy Bernard last year. You think you've got him in. He's, e- he's even enrolled. He's ready to go. And then a week later, he's at Michigan State. How does that even work? Well, welcome to the portal era. This is what we're dealing with. Free agency. So.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Scott Eklund, wrap it up. Uh, great. You know, Last
2: Monday of, of spring ball uh enjoying watching the guys get after it a little bit um excited that i get to watch one more full practice on wednesday um and uh instead of being here for 30 minutes and then sitting in the room for two hours while we wait for it to end but um you know um i lots of great competition and and I,
1: i like where things are going uh that's about it for me
0: Wrap it up, Scott. I mean, Chris Fetters.
1: <laughs> uh, just wanted to say that, I, again, I agree with everything in terms of the defense. I think had a great uh, practice today. Um, unfortunately, won't be here Wednesday. I had a previous engagement, but I'll be here Friday, so I get to hang out in the tunnel <laughs> for, for Coach DeBoer, which will be fun. But, again, it was great to see him out there. Uh, a number of guys that like Donnie Matiaki was out here, which was great to see. Um, Jackson Kirkland we saw out Jackson here as well. Here. Um, so there were definitely Bruce Feldman from The Athletic was here, uh Adam Rittenberg from ESPN was here, so you know the, the, the program is is moving in the right direction. It's attracting the right kind of people that are that are willing to deliver the message on a, on a national scale. So I know these guys like to kind of make moves sometimes and and show up during spring or fall camp, but the fact to see those guys on a Monday practice in the middle of April, that's usually a positive sign. I think Washington's going to get some pretty good publicity, uh, you know, coming through.
0: Jackson Kirkland out here in street clothes talking to Scott Huff. I just went up and said hi. and. I'm still amazed every time I'm next to that dude how big he is. He's just so, what, 6'7", probably about 320, no gut. So um, he's a big guy. So just, you know, wrapping up the final week of spring ball, and, uh, you know, we just keep on grinding. You know, Wednesday will be another open practice, so we'll be here Wednesday, uh, Friday's a walkthrough, and then the spring dog and pony show. I mean, the spring event is on Saturday, so uh, make sure you get out here for that, and you'll get a chance to see some of these guys. Also, just keep it tuned in. There's stuff going on in basketball, too. Too. I know a lot of people are sour on the basketball program, but you know, if you can't be excited about some of the stuff that's going on in the offseason, just stay on the football board because there's some actually some pretty cool stuff and happening with also, the basketball program.
1: Really, with the with, quick with the promo, it is yeah. a flash sale, so it's less than 48 hours. Um, this is going to be a really, really good time if you're listening to the podcast and you haven't really, and maybe if you really like recruiting, for instance, or really interested. Right now is when Scott Eklund going to be earning his paycheck because once spring is over and these guys start really setting up their official visits and the coaches start going out on the road and they really start solidifying these relationships with the 24, 25, 26 kids, this is where the recruiting is really going to hit the road. And not only Scott, but Brandon Huffman, Blair Angulo, Greg Biggins, all the guys in 24-7, they do a phenomenal job. Um,
0: this is a perfect time to join,
1: join the site if you've so ever thought you're about it. what saying is I got COVID at the right time. Yes, you got COVID at the right time. Well,
0: well, you know, John Clayton was one of my really good friends. I've known John for a long time and miss him immensely. But John and I always used to talk about, you know, the biggest news and the thing that people are most interested in when it comes to football is the roster, the movement, the roster movement. You know, and with now, I mean, it's just like free agency right now with the transfer portal. So that roster movement over the next month is going to be really busy. And then recruiting, bringing guys in, it's going to be real busy. So... Uh, Yeah, I
1: didn't even mention the portal. You're right, 100% right. No,
0: roster movement is just such a key element. And, you know, John and I had a lot of conversations, you know, not so much about players, but, you know, just about this business. And, you know, I think one of the things that we're really good at is when something happens, what does it mean? You know, because the minute somebody devolves, I mean, it's just like a dog, one bite, chew, and swallow, you know, and then they want to know what's next. Well, what does that move mean? And I think we do a really good job of that. So uh, with the promo, you know, no better Time to subscribe, so just keep keep it rocking here at dogman.com. We work our butts off. So, anyways, for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grinnolds along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund, Go Dogs.